Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you ready for the word this morning? Yeah, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful um, for your presence. Um, we're so thankful, oh God, because um, you have said that upon this rock you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you because we are a church in advance. Hallelujah. We are a church in advance. Holy Spirit, we just uh, submit to your leadership this morning. Uh, we ask you to light our candles and enlighten our darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, last week I, I started teaching on the gospel of the kingdom, and um, I will continue that this morning. The good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God. Let's open our Bibles, the book of Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah 6, uh, we see um, God giving a prophet insight into heaven. The prophet Isaiah um, the year that King Uzziah died, the Bible says Isaiah saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Heaven was a place, or he saw it as a place of beauty, uh, a place of splendor, where Almighty God uh, was there in the midst of his seraphim. He saw seraphim with six wings, with two wings, they covered their faces, two they covered their bodies, and two they covered their feet. Uh, the, the, the posts of the temple of God uh, were shaken with the glory of God. I mean, there was so much splendor, there was so much glory, and his only response had to be, oh God, I am a sinful man, you know, I'm going to see, I've seen God and clearly he has brought me here to kill me. But the reason why God allowed Isaiah to see heaven was to be privy to a conversation. In the midst of this splendor and this glory, God wanted Isaiah to understand what was on his mind. You know, it's a privilege to know what's on God's mind. And here in Isaiah 6, verse 8, he heard a divine conversation. In verse 8, he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? That was the reason why he was, he was there. The Lord, by his grace, wanted him to hear what was on his mind. In the midst of all the splendor, in the midst of all the glory, God had humanity on his mind. He said, who shall I send? And who will go for us? You know, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the Bible says that God made humanity, made man, made male and female in his image and after his likeness. And the reason he made us in his image was so that we could be his representatives in the earth. A representative is not just somebody who speaks for you or speaks on your behalf. A representative is literally somebody who represents you. They represent you. They demonstrate in a different dimension who you are. And you and I have been created to represent God in the earth. You know, in Psalm 103 verse 19, the Bible says God has established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. His throne is established in the heavens, but the earth is part of his sphere of dominion where his rule 
will be experienced and expressed. And he has chosen humanity to be the vehicle through whom he will express his rule and his reign in the earth. And that's why Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of man. You and I are the representatives of God in the earth. So what Isaiah heard was a divine conversation. Who can I send and who will represent me in the earth? Who will represent my love in the earth? Who will represent my grace in the earth? Who would re represent my power to a fallen world? Who will warn the world of a coming judgment? Who can I send? Who will go for me to represent me in the earth? You know, I believe that the Lord again is asking us the question he asked Cain. He said to Cain, Cain, where is Abel your brother? You know, I believe that we have largely forgotten who we are and why we are here. I believe we must embrace again our true identity. Because why we are here is not just about us. It is about our environment, our context. It is about representing him in a context that he has placed you intentionally. Because the Lord has the world on his mind. The world has your family on his mind. The Lord has the economy on his mind. The Lord has the people that are suffering on his mind. And he's saying, who can I send and who will represent me? Who will represent me? You know, every time I believe that um, maybe you're in church like this and you just wonder about somebody you haven't seen in a while. I believe that that is the Lord asking you, where is your brother? Whenever your heart breaks over a situation in a sector of our economy, I believe that that is the Lord whispering in your heart and saying, Will you represent me here? Hallelujah. Because we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. We are his representatives. You know, like Cain, we may say, it is not my responsibility. After all, am I my brother's keeper? You know, I believe that that, um, that statement from Cain revealed a lack of understanding about who humanity is as the representatives of God. He said, am I my brother's keeper? And oftentimes we ask ourselves that same question. You know, last week we saw in Mark chapter 6 and Mark chapter, uh, John chapter 9, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and um, how um, Philip said, you know, it's time, we've done enough, let's send them home, let them go sort themselves out. And God said, you feed them. The 20th century New Testament version of that scripture put it this way. He said, it is for you to give them something to eat. It is your responsibility. Why? Because you are here representing me. 
in the earth. So today I want us to look at this aspect of God's kingdom. So that we can take our place. We can understand who we are and why we are here. You know, somebody asked Jesus. He said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Turn to Luke chapter 10 verse 25. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 28 said, uh, 26 said, he said to him, Jesus responded, he said, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. You know, every Jew from a young age was schooled in the Torah. They were in a school. They understood the law. They understood the heart of the Father. This man understood the law. And when Jesus responded and said, what does the law tell you? He said, I know what the Lord sa law says. I know that the law says that I must love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And then I must love my neighbor as myself. So even under the Old Testament, they understood that the heart of the Father, it was like a coin with two sides. There was a vertical relationship, but there was also a responsibility to represent God, God's grace, God's mercy, God's favor, God's love to our neighbor. You will never fulfill your highest calling if it is just vertical. You can't love God who you don't see and not represent him to a world that you see. So this man asked the Lord, he said, Lord, who then is my neighbor? And we know the story. It is called the story of the Good Samaritan in verse 30. It says, Jesus said to him, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Everyone say compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thorns? In other words, which of these three was representing the father? Which of these three was fulfilling his calling as a human being? And this man responded, he said, the one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. We see in this story that Jesus did not analyze 
or get into the theology of why this person was in a position where he had need. Irrespective of whatever circumstances led to this situation where he had need, Jesus' focus was you and I being a neighbor to that person. The story says the man was on a journey, was on a pilgrimage from Jerusalem to Jericho. You and I are on a pilgrimage through life. And in life, things happen. You know, Jerusalem was a place of pilgrimage. It was a place of worship. So this person probably started out with the right intentions. This person wanted to do the honorable thing. And all kinds of things happened. And by chance, he was waylaid by thieves. You know, a smart man once said, but for the grace of God, go I. You know, sometimes when we stand in judgment over people, when we, when, we, when we feel we are justified to pass judgment on people, if the Lord would just allow us to understand the circumstances of their lives that have led them to that place, a lot of us will be more merciful. Because we'll recognize that if we went through the kind of circumstances they went through, you and I would probably do worse than they have done. What the priest and the Levite did not remember was the fact that if they had just come by the same road a little bit earlier, they would have been the ones that would have been attacked by the thieves. They would have been the ones in need of help. A neighbor. My neighbor is anyone who has need that the Lord has brought to my attention in whose life I can make a difference. I say it again. My neighbor is anyone who has need that the Lord has brought to my attention. In whose life I, have made, I can make a difference. God is going to bring people into your life. God is going to put you in contexts. Because he wants you to represent him there. You know, this Samaritan had to make a decision. He had to decide to go to this person and offer help. He had little, but he offered the help he had and he made a big difference in that life. And Jesus gave us the same commandment. In fact, Jesus upgraded this commandment somewhat and in the New Testament showed us the true heart of the Father. Because in the Old Testament, he said, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But in John 13, 34, before Jesus left, he said, I give you a new commandment. Notice this is a commandment, not a, a suggestion. He said, you are my people. I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Hallelujah. It's not just love your neighbor as yourself anymore. It is love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. God has humanity on his mind. God's heart breaks over the fallen state of humanity. And we see this in the ministry of Jesus. We know that Jesus represented God in the earth. John 1.18 says that no one has seen God at any time. 
But the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared him or made him known. Jesus fully expressed the heart of the Father for humanity. Hebrews 1.3 says Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of his person. The Amplified Version puts it this way. It says Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God. He's the light being, the outrain or radiance of the divine. He's the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. So Jesus showed what the Father is like. But you know, Jesus also showed what God's will is for humanity. Because everything Jesus did, he did as a man. Jesus demonstrated what a human being who is fully representing the Father will do. He showed us what we are like. He showed us who we are, what our identity ought to be. He showed us what our priorities ought to be. You know, when Jesus began his ministry in Luke 4.18, he clearly expressed his reason for being. He understood that he was not just somebody that was trying to come together and put together a job description. He understood that the reason he was here was to carry out a divine assignment. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Everyone say sent me. Hallelujah. He said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has sent me to bring recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set at liberty them that are oppressed. He has sent me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, it's interesting that um, in Isaiah 6, there are actually two questions there that Isaiah heard the father ask. The first question was, who shall we send? You know, to be sent means that you are, you are given a specific assignment and equipped with what, what you need to fulfill that assignment. That word sent is where we get the Greek word apostle or, or English word apostle or apostolos. An apostle is somebody who has been sent and equipped to carry out that assignment. So God said, who shall we send? But that was not the only question he asked. He said, who will actually go for us? Because you, you can be sent, but then... And pardon the grammar, will you went? Uh, are you with me? You can be sent, but will you what? Went. So Jesus understood that he was sent. He understood that the Spirit of God was upon him because he was here to represent God. He was here to represent the kingdom. So when people were sick, he knew that representing the kingdom meant he had to bring healing. When there was a problem, he understood that it was his responsibility to bring a solution into that problem. So he knew his assignment, but what did he do with it? Look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 23. 
Matthew 4.23 says, and Jesus did what? Jesus did what? Jesus went. Hallelujah. Jesus went. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Do you know that there would have been no sick healed if Jesus had not went? Okay, it's not going to be grammatically correct this week, but you understand what I'm saying. He had to went, did he not? He had to actually get up and go. He had to get up and go. You, you, you see, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life is here. The same Spirit that was on Jesus is upon you. But you see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not physical. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is spiritual. But that anointing is going to be expressed in your life, not when you sit waiting for a confirmation, but when you understand that he has sent you and equipped you and you get up and, and went. Praise the Lord. Jesus went about. Matthew 9.35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus with the Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It was clear to all that God was with him because of the miracles they saw. But they only saw miracles because Jesus got up and decided to go in obedience to what God, the assignment God had given him. God has given you and I an assignment. The power of God is available to you. The spirit of God is upon you. But you will not experience the fruit of that spirit until you get up and you went. There is a sector of the economy that he has allocated for you. There is a place of pain that is causing your heart to break over. And it is him at work within that area saying, will you represent me here? Will you represent me here? The reason why your heart is breaking is because the heart of the Lord is breaking. And he's saying, who will go for us? Who will we send? He has sent you and I. Jesus said to his disciples, in John 4, 34, when they saw him speaking to this woman at the well of Samaria, they knew he was hungry, but he, he said to them, they said, Jesus, has somebody fed you? He said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In Luke 19, 10, he said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This was not something Jesus did on the weekends. This was not something he did on the fifth Sunday. This was his life. His life was about representing God wherever he was. He says, my mandate, my call is to seek and to save. I get involved. I stand in front of the problem. If I see it, I get involved. I pray. I, I, I seek the wisdom of God and I do something. He said, which of you having a hundred sheep? And one gets lost. Will not uh, leave the 99 and go and seek the one. Which of you women having 10 silver coins, precious coins, 
and you lose one coin, will you not sweep your house all day looking for that coin? Will you not, when you find it, rejoice and call your friends to celebrate with you because a thing of great value has been found? Which of you fathers having two children and one gets lost, he goes and squanders his inheritance on prodigal living? Which of you fathers will not spend day and night looking for your son? If you see that son on the horizon, which of you fathers will not get up and run and save that child and restore him to a place of glory and authority? He says the heart of the father breaks over the fallen nature of humanity. I am here to represent the father. Hallelujah. I am not passive about this. This is what we do. This is what the kingdom does. And the father supports us with every resource he has. He said this is what I'm here for. And it's interesting that before Jesus left, in, Luke, in John 17, where he's praying for the apostles. If you read John 17, you will see that he prayed for, for the apostles. And not just the apostles, he prayed for us. He said, Father, I am praying for these ones, but I'm also praying for all the people that are, are going to come to know you through their word. Hallelujah. That's you and I. Isn't it, isn't it encouraging and exciting to know that Jesus prayed for you? He said, I pray for these ones, and I pray for all those that are going to come to know you through their word. What did Jesus pray for us? In John 17, verse 18, he said, Father, as you sent me into this world, I also have sent them into this world. You, know, you don't need another calling. If you want to know your calling, go to John 17, 18. Because he says, Father, as you have sent me, even so have I sent them. You know, even so means in the same way. Even so means with the same equipment. Because you cannot send and not equip. The word sent, apostolos, has within it the fact that you have been given the equipment you need to carry out that assignment. After he actually died and rose from the dead in John 20, 21, the Bible says he appeared to them and said, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, even so send are you. We have been sent. But as always, being sent is just one part of the equation. Because we also have to what? We have to went. They didn't feel any goosebumps. They had to ask themselves, was he serious about what he said? They had to value the word of God correctly. They have to weigh it right. You know, there's no way that you can meditate on John 17 and weigh the word of God correctly and it will not change what you do on a daily basis. You will not be passive anymore. Look at what they did with what he said. Look at Mark 16, 15. You know, this is a day of great advancement. Like Brett was saying, a day of great advancement. And I love the song that the, um, the worship team sang about Lord send the rain. Zechariah does say, ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. But after you pray, you've got to what? You've got to went. Because the man of God that understood that this was a time of rain in 1 Kings 19, he said, this is the time of rain. This is the time of abundant rain. That man of God went on the, on the Mount Carmel and put his head between his knees and he began to get involved in the process. This rain must come. This change must come. And I am responsible for making it come. 
The man of God took responsibility. He got up there and he did what he could. He began to pray and he continued to pray and he continued to pray until he continued to pray and until his servant said, I see that that which God has willed in the heavens is breaking forth into the earth because of you. That's why Jesus said, pray that the kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are the ones that bring that will. We are the ones that bring that will into physical structure in the earth. It's not going to happen apart from us. In Mark 16, oh, praise the Lord. Verse 15 said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow the believing ones. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. He's sending them here, is he not? He said, through your proclamation, salvation will come. Do you know salvation, the word soteria or sozo, does not mean um, just uh, deliverance from sin. The word salvation speaks about a restoration of everything that was lost. It speaks about healing for bodies. It speaks about illumination. It speaks about prosperity. It speaks about soundness and wholeness. He said through your operation, there's going to be a restoration. He sent them with that mandate. But what did they do with it? Verse 19 says, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they, they went. They went out and preached everywhere. They did what Jesus did. They went out and proclaimed salvation everywhere. They proclaimed healing. They proclaimed health. They proclaimed restoration. They proclaimed a wholeness. They proclaimed the gospel wherever they went. They spoke in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming what? The word through the accompanying signs. You know, when you went and you declare the word that God has given you, when you get in front of the situation, when you respond to the pain in your heart, the, the area your heart is breaking and you step up in the name of the Lord, the Lord will work with you and he will confirm your word with signs following. As, song, as long as you sit down waiting to have all the resources, as long as you sit down waiting to have everything in place and all your ducks in a row, you will never experience the provision of God because the provision of God is revealed in the place of wenting. That is where the provision of God is revealed. When you step up and you speak up, when you step up and you say, you know, this thing, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will come to pass, will have whatever he says. You know, circumstances are speaking to us all the time. Circumstances are speaking to us all the time. Lack is speaking to us. Impossibility is speaking to us. Like it spoke to the disciples when all they had was five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, you are responsible for feeding them. 
What are you going to do when circumstances speak to you? Circumstances are speaking to our nation. Our nation is being disparaged all over the world. We need to respond. The response must come from the church. Because we are the ones that God has sent to represent him. And it's not about criticizing government. It is about showing good governance in our own operations. You know, Jesus on one occasion went to a tree expecting to find figs on it. And all he saw were leaves. And the Bible says in Mark 11, it says Jesus answered and said. So that means that the tree was asking Jesus a question. Circumstances ask us questions. And because you're a representative of the kingdom, you have the authority to answer. You have the authority to answer. These disciples answered. They got up and they went everywhere. And when they saw problems, they spoke in the name of the Lord. And suddenly, the Spirit of God, who was on Jesus, revealed himself through them. The same Spirit that was on Jesus, the same Spirit that was on the apostles, is on you. And he will confirm your word when you went. He will confirm your word. You are in that board meeting. And you know that the direction the company is going is the wrong direction. You know that, yes, it may increase our bottom line. But you know there are, three, there are three aspects to the bottom line. There is not just profit. There is people and there is planet. And in your heart, you feel that you are going in the wrong direction. But you feel that your opinion is going to be overwhelmed by people who are all about profits. As a child of the living God who has been sent to that company to represent God. You are meant to stand up in the name of the Lord. You are meant to articulate your position. Even though you may feel, uh, feel self-conscious. You are meant to stand up and begin to speak the wisdom of God into that conversation. You are meant to stand up and begin to convince them and encourage them and stir them up and justify your position. And the Lord will confirm your word. He will confirm your word. But we must went. The place of provision, the resources of God are experienced only in the place of battle. You know, you know the story of um, David, this young boy who was sent by his father to give uh, nourishment to his elder brothers in the place of battle. And he gets there, this young teenager, and he hears a Philistine blaspheming God. Now, now David speaks up. They try to shout him down, but he speaks up. He speaks in the name of the Lord. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I'm fed up of Christians who just criticize everything. Criticize government, criticize economy, criticize... You know, these people don't have two heads. If you're not happy with your government, get into government. Make a difference. Make a change. Don't just tell us what's wrong. Everyone knows what's wrong. Tell us what's right. Tell us what the direction is. And, and make yourself accountable to be part of the solution. You know, David spoke up and said, no, this is not right. We must answer this. Nigeria is destined to be the praise of the earth. This scourge will change and we will make sure it changes. He spoke up and they all tried to give him equipment. You know, who is this young boy that wants to get himself killed? He spoke up. But what I find interesting, I mean the whole thing is interesting, but in, um, in 1 Samuel 17, 40, look at that with me. As he begins to approach Goliath, as he begins to approach Goliath, look at what happens in 1 Samuel 17, 40. 
He said then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself seven smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near. Everyone say he drew near. He drew near to the Philistine. I mean you would have expected that somebody that was speaking such words of faith already had all his equipment with him. But, but it was as he was walking to the Philistine that he saw the brook and went to get some stones. You know, your, your provision, the provision that God has made for you in the place of battle is going to be revealed as you walk towards the Goliath. If you sit at home waiting for everything to come into place, it will never come into place. You've got to get up in the name of the Lord and begin to make progress in that direction. You've got to begin to speak. You know, there is no passion you have. That the father doesn't have a greater passion. Because the Bible says that God is at work within us. He is constantly at work within us. Giving us the desire and the power to do his will. Your deepest desires have been put there by the Lord. Hallelujah. He's trying to get you to that place of agreement. He's trying to get you to that place of courage. He's trying to get you to accept the mandate and accept the responsibility for the solution. He's trying to get you to get up and begin to walk by faith in that direction. Because it is as you walk by faith, as you speak in your mouth and you walk by faith, that the things that has, he has prepared, before the foundations of the word will be revealed. Let us bring this to a close. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. What great days in which we live. It says, now thanks be to God who always, everyone say always. He always leads us in triumph. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Wow. I like that word every. It says in every place. In every sector of the economy. In every situation of life. The fragrance of his knowledge is diffused by us. We are the only hope of the world. The only. It is a fragrance. It is the fragrance. And that is why you can talk to every Christian and everybody. If we, would, if, we, if we pay attention, we have different things we want to do. Why do you think that is? Because he needs to diffuse his fragrance everywhere. Everywhere. And that is why when you pray and say, God, open my heart to what you want me to do. He gives you, he always gives you a vision that is bigger than yourself. Why? Because the need is great. And he's just looking for somebody that will say, God, I, I'm willing to listen. And then he will give you that vision. Hallelujah. With every vision is provision as we walk by faith. So then we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are his representatives in the earth. So the question we, ask, we have to ask ourselves is we have been sent, but will we go by faith? We have been sent, but will we go? Let us end on this passage in, in uh, Romans chapter 10. Look at Romans 10 verse 13. What a great mandate we have been given. That the Lord will work with you. The Lord will work with you. God does not want people to work for him. He wants people to work with him. The Lord wants to work with you. What a great adventure you would live. 
when you start working with God. When you embrace what he wants and allow him to, to manifest his glory, his power and his grace through you. In Romans 10, 13 it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring wholeness. He wants to bring salvation into every sector. But then verse 14 says, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Any salvation will only be re, re, the result of people hearing the proclamation of faith. But no one is going to hear until you and I go. The, the feet of those who proclaim God's word. The feet of those who stand up and, and, and bring solutions. The feet of those who take responsibility are blessed by God. Because those are the only doors through whom the grace of God will be revealed in the earth. You know, increasingly, as a church... We are getting greater clarity about what God wants us to do. And I'm very pleased with how members of this church are stepping up, standing up, and partnering. In unity, we are moving forward. And that's why we are in advance. Understand that the vision of God for any person, any community, is to love him with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength. And then to take up that mandate to represent him in our world. So we are representing God. Amen. 